and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. I don't know if this is an emergency podcast. What's what's in between normal podcast and emergency podcast? Uh, a hurried podcast? I, Andrew, I don't know. An orange level podcast? Does that work? Orange? An orange podcast? I think yellow. That's good. Yellow. This is a yellow podcast. Um, that's uh, Bobby Marks you hear, you're hearing. Uh, our uh, front office insider. We're just going to spend a few minutes talking about this Tobias Harris deal, but um, it's it's finalized now. Um, it uh, the trade call went through and everything. Bobby, uh, four draft picks, two firsts, and two seconds. Four picks for a guy whose contract is is up in three months. Um, uh, this uh, what you? I mean, this deal sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, what's your viewpoint on this one? I think I think uh, the Clippers got more back than what the Timberwolves did for Jimmy Butler, <laughs> for Tobias Harris on an expiring for three to four months. Um, it brought back terrible memories from when we traded a first-round pick for Gerald Wallace and then had to overpay him <laughs> because we had no choice. You lose the leverage game uh, yeah, there. And, when you, uh, do when I need you to bring up who was, do I need no, to bring up who was taken don't. with that pick? No, okay. you don't. Just Google he it. Plays point, um, he plays point guard for the Trailblazers. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and it's and it's not CJ McCollum when, when Lillard goes to the bench. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it, hey, it's for Philadelphia. It's a it's a push your chips in the middle. Basically, you've moved most of your assets. That Miami pick is a crown jewel because that team could be in a lottery. Uh, now you have Butler and Tobias. And you're going to have to probably pay both guys max money this summer if that's what your your intent is to keep them. And and now you have to be happy with this is your core four. Not for just max money, Ken. Bobby. Max money for five years, don't you think? Yeah. Yes, max money, because there will be a team out there that will pay Tobias Harris max money. And um, so this is, uh, this is, it's an expensive group, but they are kind of, I guess, in a, they are in a win-now mode. Um, and for the Clippers, I think it, it makes sense. It's like, you know, you, you're basically like, what's your realistic expectations here with this group? They're an eight seed that's fighting to try to get into the playoffs. Um, you get two first round picks that you can keep or use down the road. Um, you don't have to worry about the Tobias Harris cap hold, or if you want to bring him back and it, and it gives you a lot of flexibility for this summer. So I would argue that it almost might be three first round picks because this is a tank style trade. Um, and now I wonder, you know, you could argue about whether Tobias is their best player every night because there's certain nights when Gall- Gallinari has big games, Lou Williams wins them games, but he certainly, if he's not one, he's 1A, um, and there's possibility they could make another trade before the deadline. Um, I think it's, this is increases their chances of being in, in uh, missing the playoffs, and if they miss the playoffs, they keep their draft pick. So it's almost like it, it picks up a third pick for them. And Bobby, what do you think the possibility is here of them entering the Anthony Davis sweepstakes? Now, they have two extra first-round picks they just acquired, they potentially have their own pick if it falls in the lottery, and it would be a lottery pick. Plus, they have some decent young assets, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You tell me if I'm wrong. I think now with this trade, they can now beat any Los Angeles Lakers offer for Anthony Davis. And by the way, the quote-unquote list that Anthony Davis just gave to the Pelicans included the Clippers. Am I off base here? No, you're not. I mean, when the list came out earlier in the week, it was we all thought like, it was besides the Lakers, how realistic it was because it was the Clippers before this trade. 
it was uh, Milwaukee. We knew that, you know, uh, besides Giannis, there was little value there because those guys on expirings in New York, we had to wait until the lottery to figure out. So yeah, I mean, now it gives the Clippers something they didn't have before the week started to one potential lottery pick and, a, and a, another first round pick uh, to use in a trade. Um, you've got salary cap space as a buffer in case you need to take back money um, you know, in, in the summer or even now, and you've got all these expiring contracts right now. So, yeah, I think it's, it, Brian, I think it'll be a lot of it will depend on how, how they look at Shea Gilders Alexander the, for the Clippers. And do they deem him, I won't say untouchable because there's only a, a handful of guys there, but how much do they see him as part of your future? But if you're, if you're in Los Angeles and you get a call where we're looking for those two first round picks, Gilders Alexander, and basically just trying to get the money to work, I think you, you you think about that really hard there. Yeah, especially since, um, uh, you know, in theory, at least, Anthony Davis would, his value is a little bit more to the Clippers because he, in theory, would stay. Um, let me ask you about the 76ers. They have essentially given away their closet of assets in Jimmy in the Jimmy Butler trade and now in this trade. They have a pretty formidable starting five now. Um, with Embiid and Tobias Harris in the front court, um, J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler on the wing, and obviously Ben Simmons as the point guard. That's short of the Warriors. It's it's arguably the best starting five in the league, even though it's going to be expensive to them. They're going pretty much all in here. Um, if they're going all in and ditching all of their assets anyway, is now the time to trade Markel Fultz, Bobby? Oh, I agree. I mean, that's basically your... You're, you're one of your, that is probably your loan asset that you have uh, left outside of your big, your big core. And, um, you know, I think the waiting game for Markel Fultz is, is about close to being over here. So, um, you know, and you lose, uh, Brian, you lose some depth here. I mean, we didn't, I didn't even bring up Landry Shamet, who's played well, really well in Philadelphia and now is going to, um, now is going to the Clippers. And um, so your, your depth is, de- is depleted uh, outside of Fultz you're going to have to hopefully strike gold again in the bio market like you did with Ilya Sova and Bellinelli last year. Maybe Wes Matthews, players like that become available. But, yeah, to get better or to improve your depth, um, you know, Foles is kind of, kind of the lone man on the island left. Yeah, this is, um, this is kind of what they want their team to be. Do you, do you see, you know, when you look at them compared to Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, I mean, do you think that um... – you know, they've been playing well lately. They, they, you know, they got beat by Toronto at home last night, but they had a pretty successful West Coast trip. I mean, where do you look at them now in that ranking? Are those those sort of top teams in the East? I, I think they're closer to probably. I think they take a little bit of a jump ahead of of Toronto right now because I think I think Tobias Harris is a heck of a player. I, I really do. I mean, you know, maybe people don't remember just because he's out in the West and those games are late, but he is an under the radar player here. And it gives him, it just, just gives him another scoring option down, down the stretch. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got five scores out there. I mean, there's not many teams that can put, uh, you know, I know Ben's certainly his deficiencies and stuff, but, you know, from a playmaking standpoint, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think they're ahead of uh, Boston. I think they're ahead of uh, uh, Toronto by a little bit here. Uh, are they have they narrowed the gap on Milwaukee? I, I, I think so. But yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of just keeping this group healthy. I mean, because one of the, if one of these guys go down, it's kind of like who's waiting in the wings to kind of you know come up here. 
Hey, folks, uh, we have a big favor to ask, uh, and we promise it won't take too much of your time. You know, our show is supported by some fantastic sponsors, and we'd love to hear your feedback uh, about them. So if you wouldn't mind, could you head over to podcastlisteners.com and fill out a short anonymous survey? That's it. We swear. Again, it's podcastlisteners.com. Thanks, and we appreciate it. And any opportunity to write in Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective, please do that. Thanks. So we've seen two pretty significant trades this week. Porzingis was traded for uh, the Knicks got significant salary cap relief. They got off two bad contracts. They got two first-round picks. And they got Dennis Smith, who's a year removed from being a top-10 pick. It's almost like three first-round picks, all for Porzingis. That's a pretty good haul. The Clippers get four draft picks for Tobias Harris, who is, you know, Porzingis is coming off an ACL. Tobias Harris, a rental player who's coming, who uh, is, you know, a sub-all-star level. You could argue that he was an all-star snub, but he's not an all-star player. Four draft picks. When you look at the price of poker here, Bobby, and what it's, what it's costing to acquire talented players. It, in my viewpoint, it kind of makes it clear why the Lakers aren't getting any traction with their offer for Anthony Davis. You think about Porzingis and Tobias Harris, quality players. Porzingis has been an all-star, but Anthony Davis is a top-five arguable player in the league right now. With this as the price of talent this moment, aren't we seeing that you know the, the scale that you have to give the Pelicans for Anthony Davis is pretty damn high and why the Lakers can't really get out of the batter's box. Well, you're right. And I think we, it's funny, Brian, before the Porzingis trade, there were not many picks that were owed, um, you know, by teams here. It was only really a handful Milwaukee had a couple that were outstanding. Miami had that one. Um, there were a few there. And now all of a sudden we've seen uh, within the past weeks, three picks that are future own. And, I think it, I think if you're New Orleans, and I think from what I've heard, um, I hate to bring back bad memories, is that they're looking at the Boston Brooklyn deal from 2013 as a baseline, as far as what they want back, as far as um, you know, at least from a draft pick standpoint, where you're giving up three first and the right to swap there, and and that's kind of where they've set their um, the, where they set the bar. And if if the Lakers are not willing to go to that. Then they'll wait until the summer and, and figure out you know who's the next uh, you know who's the next bidder in here. Yeah, I also think it's important to realize that the Lakers' offer, in theory, won't you know won't necessarily change between now and June. Now the Lakers may say that it will. The Lakers may posture and say, the best offer you're ever getting from us is right now. But it's not like it's not like guys who they would want are going to become free agents or going to get traded elsewhere. Lakers are probably going to have the same uh, players to, to 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 deal with in June, and it, it's it's likely or you know possible, maybe not likely, but possible that the offers will only get better once the draft order is settled. Um, so, Bobby, knowing what, seeing what you're seeing here uh, with the, with this movement, um, I feel like we're going to have a pretty active trade deadline. I think we're going to see seven to ten deals between the time we're recording this podcast and tomorrow, maybe more, because you're going to have some maybe small deals where, you know, teams are just making luxury tax uh, deals, uh, you know, pay, paying to get rid of their 14th player or whatever. Um, I think we're going to have some significant deal. I don't know if we're going to see a lot more stars move, Conley and Gasol maybe, but um, what's your feel as to, you know, where things are now that you've seen the action the last few days? 
I agree with you. I, I think we're going to see more deals that will impact the core, less that, um, you know, we'll still, certainly see some financial deals. But, you know, the um, the deals were, you know, taking back um, uh, taking back players for uh, cash, I think, will be overshadowed here. I think uh, if you're looking at teams, we, yeah, we talked about Conley Gasol. Uh, I think one of them will be moved. I think Gasol will be the guy. Um, and then you look at Garrett Temple and uh, Jermichael Green, uh, uh, Justin Holiday. From there, I think you have to look at teams that were maybe buyers that are possibly sellers now with Trevor Reason, Markeith Morris in um, uh, in um, Washington. Uh, the two players outside AD in, in New Orleans, I mean, uh, Nicole Mirtek and Julius Randle, they are pushing both those players pretty hard, but you know, the asking price right now is, is a first round for both guys who are on a, you know, basically a three or four month uh, rental here. So I don't see the Pelicans getting a first back for um, for either one of those guys, you know, the interesting thing, Brian, I was, I was talking with a team about this is that, you know, that there's not many teams that are willing to take back cash in deals that are luxury, uh, that are lottery teams here. And we saw Chicago kind of basically take back five and a half million uh, in, in, in the last you know, couple of weeks to exhaust their money. And the, the, the and, and one playoff team mentioned this, that the, the thinking is, is that they're saying they're, it's, it's setting a bad precedent for teams that are, I, I guess, what we call tanking, to go into the cash business here. And really, mm-hmm. Chicago was basically the only team that's raised their hand here, which, Brian, I don't get. If I'm a team that's 10 and 40 and I can make a couple extra million dollars and get a, a second-round pick, I, I don't know how you tell your owner that you know that's, a, that's not a good idea. It's not against the rules. Uh, one thing I think we'll see <laughs> – one thing, and this is the last thing I'll say before we go. One thing I think that we'll see – there's a couple of teams heavily incentivized to have to tank in the second half. The Pelicans are one of them. And there's a good chance Julius Randle and Miritich are not going to be back next year. So you get down to the buzzer, someone's willing to give you a second-round pick, they may sell them for a second-round pick. And um, the other thing I'm going to say is watch out for Dallas. Um, Dallas's pick is top five protected. And whenever we talk about percentages in the lottery, we all focus on what the, what the percentages is to get to the number one pick. Dallas doesn't have to get the number one pick. they got to get into the top five to keep their pick. And remember, this year in the lottery, you don't choose teams one, two, three. You, cho- you choose teams one, two, three, four. That's four bites at the apple. If Dallas can get down to maybe the seventh worst record, which you know is, is doable if you go into full tank mode, and you would do that by... Sending away Harrison Barnes, you know, for example, just you know, getting off of his money, um, you know, shutting Luka Doncic down, uh, you know, with knee tendonitis, uh, you know, not bringing back Porzingis. Do the math, and I believe it's a thirty-three percent chance if you have the seventh worst record, it's a thirty-three percent chance that you get in the top four uh, in that lottery. And so, watch out for Atlanta dumping players. Watch out for New Orleans dumping players. Watch out for Dallas dumping players, uh, maybe for very cheap. And I'm not saying that these are going to be change the face of the league type deals, but there could be a team or two that's trolling out there. And, um, and I mean like trolling like, you know, in the uh, like for fish sense, not in the uh, trolling, you know, in the Internet <laughs> sense, um, who picks up a really nice player here for pennies on the dollar just because you got some teams that are really wanting to sell uh, – near three o'clock tomorrow 
And Brian, I think we should, I think we should uh, take a, um, a, a, you know, a, a look at too, is what's going to be active at, after the buyout market, Brian is going to be active. I mean, there's 10 out of 16 teams that have roster spots and guys like Ennis Canner and Jabari Parker, Zach Randolph, uh, Wes Matthews, possibly that teams can't move. Um, they're all going to be Robin out there Lopez. for Golden State. Yeah, Robin Lope for Golden State and Oklahoma City to um, to, to be out and go out and sign uh, on the cheap. Hey guys, as of this recording, we're 25 hours from the trade deadline. Do you have over under six and a half transactions before the deadline passes? Oh, over. I'm I'm strong. Over, oh Bobby. yeah. Oh over. Oh, I'm. Uh, yeah. I would have even gone. I would even gone over if you gave me ten. And I, 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 agree. I am over. Yeah. Uh, I, I just remember because there's going to be like. You know, the Celtics might, you know, give somebody money to take a player to reduce their tax bill. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Cavs are going to take money from somebody, maybe even two deals. So the, I, I, we may have six deals by by daybreak tomorrow morning. Yep. Uh, okay, thanks for listening to this little Hoop Collective Yellow Scale podcast. Well, we have an orange-level podcast. We have a red-level podcast. We will have a podcast tomorrow after it's all said and done with some special guests. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the trade deadline.